Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. We have a visitor with us to share the word with us. I'm going to invite Andy up. Uh, Andy Smith um, is over at Living Word, now an elder, right? Yeah, an elder over there, and uh, also leads um, the youth over there and also in conjunction with uh, some of their churches. So we're excited to have him, dear friend of ours, and just really excited to hear what he has to say this morning. So let's pray for him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Andy. We thank you for him being with us this morning. And we pray that as he shares your word, Lord, that would be your words coming out of his mouth. Lord, you would use the Holy Spirit within him to share what you want um, us to hear. Lord, you have his ears to hear it and hearts to respond to it. Lord, and to, to put it into action, what you have um, placed on his heart, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. So I'm extremely um, excited um, to be here at Mercy Hall. I don't get a chance to come very often, um, but I have been, uh, may have been about, well, maybe close to six months ago, the last time I had a chance to share. Um, here. Um, But uh, I am extremely excited, and this is going to be maybe a difficult word for me um, to bring because it is so uh, extremely near and dear and personal to my heart. Um, And because of what's just been happening in my life, which I I will share a little bit of, um, God has been doing something new. And I believe that it's not just something that he is um, wanting to do just in me. But it's something that God wants to, to bring the church into. And so we're just going to pray really quick, and, and I'm just going to just share um, just some moments out of, out of God's word. And, and let's, uh, let's hear what God has for us today. Lord God, I thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you that it is living and active. It's not just pages on a book like a story. It's not fantasy or fairy tale. But God, that it is life-giving, Lord. That it speaks into the deepest parts of our soul and it, and it exposes things and it encourages things and it, and it shares with us your vast love for us. So God, we ask right now that your word would come forth, Lord God. Lord God, that in no way will my bumbling and fumbling around my words affect what you are speaking into the hearts of your people. And so, God, I, I don't want them to hear me. Lord, I am, I am fallible and I am, and I am fallen and I am a sinful man. But, God, I pray that even as I share, God, you would speak to the heart. Straight to where it matters, Lord God. God, that we might all be transformed by your word. We cannot walk out of here in the same condition, the same thought, the same attitude that we had when we came in. God, take us to a new place this morning in you. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we believe that that will be. So we give this time to you. ask you to bless it, sanctify it, and use it for your good purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's been a really... Um, interesting last several, I'm going to probably say several years, but I'll, I'm going to boil it down to the last several weeks. Um, and I don't know if 
any of you uh, can relate, but I have been in just an unbelievably difficult, hard, dry place. Um, I mean, when I just think about it from just a schedule standpoint, I work 50 or 60 hours a week. I run the youth ministry at Living Word and part of the eldership. And so there's those meetings for that. I do big brothers, big sisters. I do all these things and all these things that I keep saying, oh, God's called me and I'm doing these things for God. And I'm just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And I just got to a point where I'm just like, I am done. I was ready to quit my job. I was ready to walk away from Axis. It's like, I can't do it anymore. I'm like, maybe a new job, maybe a new scene, maybe a new everything would just somehow make all of these things better. It would make this emptiness, this dryness that I feel, this just tiredness where I just feel tired. Even after I could wake up after eight hours, I just still felt just drained. So maybe if I stop everything and do everything completely different, that in some way, that would bring about this, this, this freshness that I was so desperately seeking. It was a bad moment. I remember texting some of the guys in Axis, some guys that we get together um, biweekly and, and just spend some time in, in prayer. And, and I was just like, as I'm burnt out, I think. And we were even just trying to figure out a way to create time to get together and pray and couldn't even, there was like no time. And it was difficult. And it was hard. And it was lonely. And a week ago, yesterday, so this is so when I tell you how new and near and dear and fresh this is, I was at an event for our work. So I'm working on a Saturday, which just kind of adds, you know, insult to injury. Um, so now I'm working on working on a Saturday and we have this event and we had a pastor come and speak. Um, and he mentioned in passing a name of a book. And I was just grasping for straws at this point. You know, I'm just reaching for anything I can that's going to bring any life that's going to. And he was like, man, if you want to be rocked to the core, you read this book. And I'm just like, I just heard that. And I'm like, I need something. I want to be rocked. And so while he's still speaking, I pull out my phone and I order this book on Amazon and that was on a Saturday and it came on Monday and I'm just like, Lord, anything that could help. And it was in chapter two. Many of you, some of you may have read Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. If you haven't, I strongly suggest it. But in chapter two, man, I was indeed rocked. And it was, it was so profound that I'm just like, but so unbelievably simple. And so this message is not a complex message this morning. It is very simple. That we must, as people of God, as the church of God, as the body of Christ, we must engage with our Savior daily in prayer. Now, I know this is, this is nothing new. I mean, I pray before a meal. We have kids, so we pray with our kids. My wife and I, on occasion, when I don't fall asleep before we do it, we would pray. I mean, this is not something that was just like, oh, you know, we don't pray at all. We do, but the intentionality of which God called me in that moment to reach out to him changed everything. 
church, I, I can only speak for me. I, I can't speak for you. But we fail oftentimes in our prayer life. We do. I mean, just, just think about it. Just the announcement. You guys are having a prayer meeting at, at Yemi's house at tomorrow or whenever the announcement was made. And I know that I know that I know because I was the same person to come up with every excuse in my busy life and schedule as to why I can't. Why I don't want to make that time to intentionally connect with my community of believers and seek the Lord in prayer. The same things that are burning me out and frying me up are the same excuses that I use as to why I can't. God met me in just saying it's not about the stuff. I can create energy to do the stuff. Or I can give you wisdom and what to say no to. But what has to happen is you have got to connect with me. It got to. It's one of the lines in the book that says, to the extent to which the church of Christ, to the extent of which the body of Christ would engage in intentional prayer in a, on a regular basis, not, not on occasion, but on a regular basis, that is in a time that the Lord will bring about revival in a way that this world has never seen before. We are sitting on power that we have no idea is at our disposal, but we don't seek the God who wants to give it in abundance. I love praying at mealtime, and, and we love to have our kids pray, and, and, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that just uh, it's, it's near and dear, and, it, and, it's, and it's great for, for us, but I'm telling you, when I can walk downstairs or away from the family even and just spend even 15 minutes just on my face before the Lord, I will tell you what happened. I'm going to give you the end of the story, and then we're going to go into the scriptures. God met me there. And many of you know Living Word. David Prince is an amazing pastor, and I love listening to him teach. But God met me on my face in my own home in a way that I have not experienced, even at my wonderful church that I love. And as I just cried out, not asking, not seeking, just crying, God, I don't know. I don't even know how to lead my family well in this time. I don't know how to be the encouragement that my wife needs in this time because I am so empty. I don't know how to be the father that my kids need in this time because I'm so dry. I don't know how to lead this youth group in a way that is God-honoring to you because I don't have anything left. So unless you show up, God, unless you do something that I know I can't do, it won't be done. And I tell you, man, he showed. I was captivated through just seeking the Lord in prayer and, and through God's word. Um, and I'm going to take it back old school. You know, we, our, the Old Testament, we, we, we oftentimes kind of skip that half and get to the good stuff, you know. Um, 
But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you guys back to a story that I'm sure everyone in here, if you've been in the church for any length of time, know very well. And it is the story of the prophet Elijah, right? And, the, and, the, 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 and he meets on Mount Carmel, and he's with all these prophets of Baal. Kind of remember the story now a little bit. You know, and he says, hey, bring those 450 of those, of the, you know, your Baal worshiper leaders, and I'm going to stand there, we're going to set up these altars, and, and they're going to put this sacrifice on it, and you put one, and I'm going to do the same on this one, and then we're just going to pray, and the Lord who shows up in fire, the God who responds in fire, will be the true God. And that's First Kings chapter 18, verse 39 or starting at verse 19. I just want to read just a little bit of that, just for some context. It says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So then he goes through, get the two bulls, and he set up. And all the people agreed that this was a good agreement, that this was a good idea. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of your bulls, prepare it. And so they took the bull, and they, had given, they were given them and prepared it, verse 26. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning to noon. And it was really interesting because there was in no time at any point during this entire exchange between Elijah and these prophets of Baal and all the people who were assembled and gathered around, there was at no point, no time did Elijah not know exactly what God was capable of doing. Right? I mean, he knew Baal. He knew that this was a, this was a pagan religion. This was, this was a, a wood-carved, you know, carved image that was created by man, that was created by people. And then no matter, you know, he even starts to taunt them later. No matter how much you try, you scream and you yell and you scrape yourself, there's no one to hear that. He knew that we serve, he served, that he was bringing the word forth of a God who listens, who hears, who responds to his people. That needs to bring such encouragement and promise to us. Our God hears us. He hears us. Our insignificant voices, and I'm going to speak our mind, insignificant voice matters to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In my little daily little life in little Lansing, Illinois, and in my little family that's kind of nestled among hundreds of thousands of millions of other families, God still in the basement of my home heard me. Wow. Wow. And so we know that Elijah was not surprised that they screamed and yelled throughout the entire day and, and that nothing happened. He knew that the prophets of Baal were empty and that Baal as a, as a deity was, was empty. Here's where I want us to be reminded of. 
Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, all right. Now, this whole thing is, I mean, we don't come from a culture where we have to sacrifice. All right, I mean, the, the amazing thing, the awesome thing about Jesus Christ is that he became that final sacrifice for mankind for all time. So we don't have to bring any bull or we don't have to bring, you know, any animal. And the, the blood of an animal doesn't have to be spilt because the blood of Jesus, Savior of the world, was spilt on our behalf. So we get to just live in, the, in kind of the, the aftermath of that. And it's amazing because this whole bull thing would have been tough. And for me personally, I'm a city boy, so, you know, I didn't grow up on the farm where that might have been a norm. You know, in the city, we don't, it's already at the grocery store, so I guess I could have gone and picked up some steaks and been like, here, Lord, I hope you like these. They're New York Strip. You know, that would have been more, that would have probably been more of the way I would have to do it if that was still, okay, that's way off the subject. Anyway. In and of itself, just the sacrifice on the wood and if he would have prayed and called and Lord would have answered and sent fire, it would have been monumental. Just unbelievable. But he doesn't stop there. This to me, and I mean, you know what happens. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl in pieces, laid on wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the, altar, on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. And that I am your servant, I've done these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. So just the sacrifice alone would have been amazing. But to add the water, church, please hear this. If nothing else, our God, Okay, this, this God that we, the reason why we're here, I, I hope, is the reason why we're even here today. I hope it's not so that you could see the, the person that you haven't seen since last week. I hope that it's not because you just think, man, Corey's voice is so amazing. I just want to hear Corey and, and Ryan do their, their thing up there. It's almost like a concert, but it doesn't cost me any money. So, man, it's so worth it. Like, I would do that. You know, I hope there's, there, those aren't the reasons you hear. Or, man, I heard they really did this cool remodel job on a bathroom. So, man, I just really came because, man, I just got to see what kind of tile they use because maybe I'm going to do the same thing in my bathroom, and this is cheaper than ordering HGTV on cable. Like, I'm going to come here and do that. Right? I hope those aren't the reasons, but listen, I hope the reason we're here is because we know, we believe, and together we encourage one another that our God does the impossible. Man, pour 
pour water on it. Let's do something. You know, maybe it could be accidental that a bolt of lightning could come just at the right time and hit this whole thing, and this whole thing erupts in the the flame. But let's put water on it. Because when we do that, there will be no question that our God not only hears, but he responds and he does what's impossible. Church, we have access to the power of God through prayer to do the impossible, to see the impossible come. And I love his prayer because it was saying, no, don't do the impossible so that I can look good. Man, I'd really look like a fool if I stood here and did all this and nothing happened. So that God would be glorified. When God answers our prayers, when he met me in that basement, it was not so that I could feel good about doing a bunch of stuff. It was so that God can get the glory. When people say, man, how do you do it? I don't. I am empty, but God fills me every day when I come to him in prayer. God gets glory. And when God doesn't answer our prayers, when he delays an answer, it's okay because he wants to keep me on my knees before him. He still gets the glory. And when he says, no, this isn't for you, even though I'm praying this and he's saying, no, I don't, this is not what I want for you right now. He still is getting the glory. God, thank you so much for unanswered prayers. Any Garth Brook friends in the house? I can think of a number of things that I prayed for. And I'm like, oh, God, thank you that you didn't give me that. This wife was so much better. That could have been better. Man, that could have been. I was, yeah. But the Lord knew. Because I want us to unlock in us a love, a love for connecting with Jesus in prayer. A love for it. Uh, uh, not, not even more than a love. A life-giving, life-sustaining desire to connect with our Savior in prayer. Not, not, for, the, not for the fact that he's powerful and, and he's going to do miraculous things, though it is inevitable that he will. But because we need The church needs, this world needs what only our God can provide. And the body of Christ, man, when we, to the extent to which we get on our faces before God on a a regular basis and just cry out to him, he's going to meet us. And then we know the rest of the scripture and he will heal our land. He will bring restoration. Now that's a that's a the prayer that it happened. And again, as you guys know, the, the 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 Lord sent the fire, the consuming fire, and it consumed the the sacrifice and the water and the soil and the and the altar and the wood and the whole thing. And and there was, I mean, there was no doubt to everyone standing here that Lord is God and that He's and that was a very deliberate action, a very deliberate prayer that they prayed. And when I think of you guys getting together as a body at Yimmy's or whenever you guys do a prayer meeting and you come together and pray specifically, the Lord shows up in that. But let me tell you, the Lord also shows up when we don't even ask things for things specifically. 
Now let's move over to the New Testament. Another very simple and a very common exchange. Paul and Silas. Okay? So we have this this amazing act of God where God said, I'm going to show you how real and how good our God is. And he was very specific, and he prayed specifically, and, and it happened. Paul and Silas are in prison. You guys remember this story, this scene as it plays out? Acts chapter 16, in case you want to you look at it. So you know the story behind the girl that was possessed, and she was released of the demon, and the people were upset. And so Paul and Silas were, first of all, they were kind of jumped by the crowd. And then the political means got involved and was like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to have to kind of show that we're taking this seriously. So they arrested them, and they, they punished them. They beat them with rods. So now you've got these two men who have been kind of jumped by the crowd. Then they get pulled out of the crowd by the police, if you will. And then they get beaten in a kind of a public display of discipline by the government. Um, And then they are thrown into prison and their shackled, legs are shackled in the inner cell. And they are to be watched and guarded, right? And so it says then in Acts 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I don't know how often you use your, uh, back in the church I grew up in, they used to call it your sanctified imagination, right? There are some things in scripture where there's just not a lot of detail. And so you begin to kind of just imagine, man, what would this look like in my, you know, how would this actually play out? So I'm going to give you my kind of rendition of kind of how the details kind of behind the text. And, and again, we don't know for, for a fact, but, but this is how I could just imagine it in my heart. So there they are. They're, they're bloody. They're beaten. They've been beat with rods. And if you've ever seen like a caning or whatever, this is not a pretty picture. Right? This is not a pretty thing. So I'm sure there's welts. I'm sure there's, there's pain. And now they're thrown in this concrete cell. You know, it's just stones. And they're now sitting. And I mean, they're in prison. And they're just, just laying on their backs or on their hips or whatever. They're, it's hurt. They're feeling it. Right, And I can just imagine this just being, and then they've got these cast iron things around their ankles. And I mean, this is, this is this, you can't get any more unpleasant than this. And at some point through that night, it says maybe about midnight, I just imagine in my mind Paul in his just humble but powerful, meek but strong self just beginning to pray. God, thank you that you spared us that we'll get the chance to preach another day. You know? And, and maybe as Paul does that, Silas kind of lifts his head up out of, out of just this, this pain and, and it's like, man, God, thank you that they could have taken our lives, but, but because of who you are, here we are. And, and we, don't, we don't understand why we don't get the picture we're wanting to do your will, but, but you've done this, and, and we trust you, and we believe you, and they start praying. And, and you ever get to a point where you just start getting, you pray, and you just start praying, where you just kind of lose kind of track of even the, the circumstance you're in, right? You just begin to just pour out to God, and all of a sudden, the, the thing that you were so irresolute about really praying for or whatever, it just kind of gets lost, 
and, and just seeking the Lord. And I can just imagine them just now all of a sudden they're starting to pick up a little energy. Like they begin to forget that, man, I'm in, I'm in pain, but I'm just connected with my Savior, man. We're just, we're just talking to God and we're loving it. And so then they start talking. Now, I don't know what Paul's voice was like. I don't know if he's a great singer or not. But I could just imagine that as they're praying, as they're just crying out to God, as they're hurting and they're in this dark cell and it just seems hopeless that he just begins how great is our God now I don't know the 2,000 year old version of this but (laughs) sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great and as they're praying this worship just breaks out and of course Silas not to be outdone he's learning from Paul and he's like oh man this is my chance and he just he just comes in your love never fails it never gives up the 2,000-year-old version, never runs out on me. It goes on and on and on and on. It goes, yes, it overwhelms and it satisfies my soul. And in this cell, I will never have to be afraid because this thing remains, God, your love never fails. And then all of a sudden there's an eruption and it tells us that the other, the other prisoners in the prison are listening in. Some of them are probably trying to hum the tune. And how does it start? with prayer and not them on their knees saying, God, please bring an earthquake or some way to bust us out of this joint. That was not an expectation. Their expectation was simply to connect with the heart of the Father in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of that position, that place that they were in. It was about just connecting with God. The result is up to God. But the action, the prayer is up to us. How many of us know that God knows the things we are praying for, we desire in our heart way before we ever ask him? This isn't about, man, if I yell loud enough, God's going to hear me. God already knows. How does God draw you into time? And now I'll tell you, there are times that I'm praying and I do yell. I'm just like, God, you need to hear me. I don't feel like you hear me. And there are other times when there's nothing I could say. I mean, Hannah had that experience, right? She's just mouthing the words, just praying, not, not even audibly. Church, I want us, myself, us, to in a fresh way today. Say, God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just take for granted that you love me and that you care for me and that your grace abides in that. Because it's it's kind of what happens, especially when we're living comfortable lives. Right? I mean, when we are living comfortable lives, when we have the job, when we are making a decent amount of money and we can make ends meet, when, when the car's running and everything is good, when, when the, the kids are all healthy and, and things are fine, it, we, we find it sometimes, and maybe it's just me, I'll just speak for me, find it difficult in those moments to look to God. Because then my dinner prayer is going to thank you, God, for everything. That's good enough at that point. I feel like God wants his church 
his people, those who are called by his name, Christ followers. God wants his people to get into a habit. It's a habit. It's something that is done so much in your life that it, it, you, it, it almost creates an addiction to it, if you will. That's how our God wants us to be in our reaching out to him in prayer. Both in a public place when we come together as a group, but listen, also in our private lives. I doubt that that was the first time Elijah prayed big prayers when he was in front of everybody on top of Mount Carmel with uh, the whole, you know, nation watching. That was obviously not the first time Paul had been in a tough spot and that he had been cultivated this heart of prayer so that when things were good, this cultivation of prayer was real and it was active. And when things were bad, guess what? It didn't change. The habit was there. It was formed. It was real. So that no matter when you're in plenty or no matter when you're in want, you could be content in all things. Why? Because I still get to connect with the Father. And that does not, does not determine by how things are going. That's not determined by how good my life is or how bad my life is. That does not matter. What matters is that I'm connecting with my Savior, that he is unlocking in me personally, whether he's doing it in financial means or whatever way, he is unlocking something in me that increases my faith, increases my love for him. And that doesn't matter what happens. Church, we need to be experts at this. We need to be so just in love with Jesus that going a day without spending it talking to him just feels like it's just not, it's not a, just a day I even want to be a part of. Not seeking him for anything. He already knows. You know, I heard the story about the guy in the boat, you know, and he has this hook and he's, he's out of ways and he's trying to get through the surf and it's tough, keeps pushing him back. So he has this hook on a rope and he takes it and he throws this thing out and it happens to catch on to the shore to the kind of a rock there in the sand and he's he's pulling you know and pulling his boat in and feels like man i'm really strong so i'm pulling the shore to me right that's not how it works we we don't our prayers don't in some way now pull god to us no it pulls us it aligns us with him he is the foundation. He is the shore. He is that, that, that which never changes. And though our lives change daily, he never does. And so as we pull ourselves in line with him, he helps to keep us focused. He helps to keep us with our eyes resolute, right? Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That is done, church, through prayer. That is a big way. You know, for years, and I, I will make this declaration because most of my youth group kids aren't here. I think I've been teaching the wrong thing. Maybe not the wrong thing, but maybe in the wrong order. Because I always want to tell our kids, and I always tell our kids about developing a devotional life, right? Spend time reading the Word. And I have young person after young people say how difficult it is to do, how difficult it is to open up the Word and read it. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to, to, to finish. Is five minutes really enough? I know people say that. Blah, blah, blah. Just start, just start, just start. And I've now got to change what I share them. Start spending time on your knees before God. 
You in here? Do you have a difficult time opening up your word throughout the week and spending time with God? Start in prayer. Because that, right, you don't have to worry about opening up this sometimes intimidating book that was written so long ago with maybe words and language that you don't quite understand and you're trying to get started and you're just like, where do I start? And then, of course, you open up to like something like Lamentations or Deuteronomy and you're like, what in the world is all this? Like, you don't get it. You know what? Start with prayer. Develop your devotional life, your time alone with God around prayer. And I will tell you what, he will bring the word of God alive to you. It will become such that you begin to pray and then God wants to give you answers. And all of a sudden he just starts to draw your heart towards his word. I'll give you an example and then I'm going to wrap this up. I think this is the time I'm supposed to do that. So many of you know who've, who've heard me share before that I work in, a, in an inner city ministry in Chicago called By the Hand. And then we have 1,200 kids in four of the worst neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. And it is our desire to walk with them from first grade through college graduation and to see them to enjoy the abundant life that is found in Jesus Christ. Right? So that's what we do. So we're essentially an after-school program that provides a lot of other services to help our kids be successful, including Bible study and just learning to just love God, right? And so how many of you guys know that in these, some of these neighborhoods in Austin and Inglewood and Altgeld Gardens, Cabrini Green are some difficult, difficult neighborhoods. Some of the worst in the city of Chicago. When you see the news, they talk about a shooting, it was probably in one of those neighborhoods. And so I got to a point where I'm just like, and I've always done urban ministry. I've always got as, you know, since I was, I don't know, it's been about 12 years or so that I've been doing, doing this type of ministry anyway. And so there was a time where I'm just like, God, how? Right? Like, we do this, and, and every weekend I have to wait until Monday morning. I wait till Monday morning and go online and look to see where some of the latest shootings in Chicago happen because inevitably it's happened in one of our neighborhoods, and, and because of the way things happen, it's somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody at our group, and it affects our kids. Right? I mean, it's... it's, it's hard. It's difficult. I'm like, God, how? How are you going to do? How do we stem the tide? How do we make any real inroads? How do we create any real difference in this? And you ever had those moments where God just kind of like smacks you in the face? It's like, wake up, dude. Because he took me, I mean, immediately to Matthew chapter 5. It says, you are the light of the world. That's how I'm going to do this. I am going to empower you. I'm going to ignite something in you. The church, that's how we're going to do it. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that can't be hidden. You are the salt. I mean, you bring the flavor. You bring the change. I, through the power of my Holy Spirit, am going to work in you, and then you go and you do. Bang. Back in the face. All right, Lord. Let's do it. To whatever degree and extent you want to use me, let's do it. But it started just on my face before the Lord, and it ended with God taking me to a scripture, and all of a sudden, his word made total and perfect sense. 
I mean, it was just clear as day. And I believe and I know that God will do the same for our young people. And so I'm changing my, my not that, yeah, spend time in the word. And that's awesome. And for those that can and they feel like, man, I can just open God's word and he just, he just feeds me. And I, and I know he does because his word will never return void. But if you need a place to start, start on your knees. Talking, we all know. talking to the one to whom it really matters. That's what we have to perfect. So church, I'm closing my Bible, so that means we're bringing this, we're bringing the plane in. We're getting ready to land. God's heart and desire for Mercy Hill is that you guys will become active in your life of prayer. Dads, granddads, uncles, big brothers, God is making a call to you as men to engage in an active life of prayer. I got to tell you guys, with a church with so many children in it, you have to, to be good at getting on your face before the Lord. Because guess what? We are the example for our children who are sponges, who are watching everything that we do. And in order for us to see our kids follow behind us in a, in a way where they said, man, I just remember watching my dad, I remember watching my parents pray. I remember seeing tears come from my dad's eyes and nothing ever hurt him. I mean, he was a rock. He was like Superman. But when he got on his knees to pray, he was so tender before the Lord because there were so many things that just hurt him that he just had to cry out to God. And I got a chance to, maybe I didn't, he didn't want me to see it or, 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 but I just knew and I just saw that they were just living out this life of prayer. And now it's become a habit for me as his child. They come into this place. And we say, man, there's a prayer meeting. And we say, oh my goodness. They had to take that out of Yemi's house. It wasn't big enough. The living room couldn't hold us. We spilled into the kitchen and we were able to grab stuff out of the refrigerator while we were in there, but it couldn't hold us. This wasn't a if I can make it. It was what do I have to get out of the way so I can make it. What is more important than engaging with God on our knees with our brothers and sisters in Christ saying, God, there's a hurting world and you can show up. And if you're not going to just show up right now and just change it all, then if you're going to use me, God, then I need you desperately to do something. You have to give me a boldness. You have to give me a love that I don't have right now. You have to give me time. You have to give me opportunity. I mean, I tell people all the time, people who say, man, I can't, I have a vibrant, I don't have it as much anymore because my time, but I would love to get it going, ministry of just writing the guys in prison. I have two young men that I used to work with when I did prison ministry that are in two huge prisons, maximum security prisons in Wisconsin. 
Do you know the number of men in prison that have no positive correspondence in their life? No one speaking truth to them? You may not be able to go out and come and work with me and buy the hand in inner city of Chicago, but you can sit at your kitchen table with a note card and just say Jesus loves you and put a stamp on it. There is a way that God, if we are seeking him together, he's saying there are ways that I want to draw the church into more, into a deeper place, into a fresher place, into a newer place, into a more vibrant place in me. And to the extent to which that happens, revival will come in a way that we've never seen before. Church, it does. It's important. Dare I say vital. So I just want to, as we close, I just want to say, If your heart is not gripped by the desire and the need and the love to just say, God, I'm just, I don't know, but I just know that I need you. Please don't leave this place without having someone here, myself, some of the leaders here, Brian, I know Tim, whatever, just pray and say, God, give me a heart to want to cry out to you. I'm, a, I'm empty in that place. I'm dry in that place. I don't have that, that desire. I can come home from work and I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I could go to bed and I could, and, and it never even crosses my mind that I need to spend real quality time as a man or woman of God with you. If you're not in that place, I encourage you not to leave this place without seeking that God to say, God, do a new work in me in this area. Man, it's going to change everything. Everything. So, Lord God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you first for what you're doing in me, Lord, what you are still in an ongoing way doing in me, Lord. Not that I've obtained it all, not that I've perfected this, Lord, but I do. I do turn away from what was behind, Lord, and, and now I'm pressing forward in a way, Lord, that, uh, that, is, that is exciting and that's new and that's life-giving, Lord God, and that you have given me energy, Lord, that I didn't have before. You have given me just a passion for you that I haven't had before, Lord God, and, and it all came not because I just stopped doing things, but because I started doing what was most important. Lord God, I pray right now over this body, Lord, over these individuals in this place, Lord God, that you would unify this church, you would unify this body through the act of prayer. Lord God, that there would be uh, just a movement of your spirit in such a profound way in this place, Lord God, that prayer meetings would just be packed out. They'd have to bring them back here. Lord God, that that there would just be this light that would just emanate from this church, not because these people are so great, but because you are Jesus. God, that you would be glorified and magnified through our heart's desire to reach to you in prayer. Oh, man. God, it changes everything. 
It changes everything, Lord. It changes people. It changes communities, Lord God. We talk about the political structures, God. It changes even that. God created people in this place that believe that. We thank you, Lord God, for your word and your truth. Pray for what you're doing in us, Lord God, and what you want to do through us. God, I pray specifically for the men in this church, God, that they would stand on your word, Lord God, and that they would become warriors in prayer, Lord, that they would pray like the prophet Elijah, that they would seek you for the impossible in their marriages, in their families, in their children. Lord God, that they would lead the way, that they would pave the way in their families as men who desire being and meeting and living for you, God. God, I pray for those in this room that are feeling dry, that are feeling empty, that are just overtaxed with, with a number of things that, that are good things, but God, that they, they are not the best thing. God, I pray, God, that as they're in that empty place, God, that they would fall on their faces before you and meet with you, God, and you would just tell them how much they're loved, God. You would just remind them, Lord, of your grace that is new, your mercies that are new every morning. God, that the promises that you have for them would just be instilled in their heart as they, as they lay before you in prayer, and God, that you would just give them, Lord, fill them in a way that they've never been filled before. Oh, God, you are the God who hears, listens intently to the prayers of your people. God, make this a body that believes that. (laughs) Make this a body that has faith for that. Not for the possible, God, before the impossible. Because, God, you can and you will. And you will use your church to lead the charge. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty and awesome name we pray. Amen.